0: promo for me um so that is where you just say hey this is now i, I get help saying your name this is joe Kasherba of Joekasherba.com, and you are listening to jeff smith on vroom vroom veer listen up something like that
1: uh no i don't mind doing that at all i've never done something like that but i can let me just
0: you want to write the, you want to take some notes there you go. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Most people do <laughs> R- write a miniature little script, right? You're listen- This is Joke Sherbin.
2: You're listening to Jeff Smith on
0: Vroom Vroom Veer.
2: Vroom Vroom Veer, uh, radio or podcast or just vroom, you can vroom, just veer.
0: say just Vroom Vroom Veer. Yeah, everybody knows it's a podcast. One would hope.
2: All right. This is Joke Sherbin. You're listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer.
0: That's it. And if you yeah, want to throw great. a URL in there, you can do that too. Oh,
1: okay. From Joe Kasherba
0: from uh, JoeKusherba.com? Correct. All
1: right, let's do it. That sounds right. like a plan.
0: All right, whenever you're ready, you go.
2: Hey, this is Joe Kasherba from Joekasherba.com and you're listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer.
0: Well done, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm going to awesome. turn off the recorder for a sec, so I'll go away for a sec, and uh, and then I'll be right back. <coughs>
2: Okay, sounds
0: good. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up,
2: frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith,
0: Chris Daly, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for
2: having me on, Jeff.
0: Hey, no worries. This is, uh, I think we're going to have a good time. So, you are Chris Daly again and you are at disruptiveadvertising.com. And uh, you, uh, it seems like there was some sort of merger situation where you used to have your own thing and then you, there was some sort of merger. And uh, so, talk a little bit about what's going on in your, in your work life today?
2: Sure. So, um, so I'll, I'll back up a couple steps and talk about kind of what led up to the merger. And, uh, so I, I started my, I started my, uh, my agency back in 2014. Um, it's called daily conversion and it's, uh, uh, I was doing conversion rate optimization for businesses, um, which is basically I was helping businesses, uh, test their website design to figure out what's going to convert. Okay. And this was kind of my first entrepreneurial oh. experience. Actually, it was my first entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurial experience. Prior to that, I had been in house, you know, an in house digital marketer for oh, you know, four or five years. Okay. And you know what I I when I ended up taking the plunge into starting my company, um, you know, I am your classic emis entrepreneur like the guy that's really good at what he does and then i started a business and wasn't good at running a business you know? ah, like yeah, i had no idea right. what was going on right right um, um but I, I started to figure it out and you know things started working really well um you know my wife and i have i've got a, a wife and and two little girls and uh, you know we were ha- we were making a really good living and
1: things okay.
2: were starting to seemingly going in the right direction okay and what I kind of encountered in a problem that I ran into as I was running this agency is trying to build something that is bigger than me. Um, right. because you know, for anybody who started an agency or kind of a consultancy, as anybody who's done that knows, um, you know, when you're the expert, you're the guy that people want to work with. You know, it's like, I'm Chris Daly. I'm, I'm a conversion rate optimization expert. All my clients want to work with me. And so when I hire on employees to help me with clients, people didn't like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, right. you know, I kept, I kept running into this problem and I'm like, there's got to be a way to do this. Um, and so I kind of hit a, a, a growth bump where it was like, okay, I've got to find someone who can sell this better than I can. And I've got to find someone who can execute on it better than I can, or at least as well as I can. Right. And... Um, you know, when you're running a company and you're managing clients and you're doing sales, it's really hard to grow past that initial, that initial, initial stage of just having a few, you know, contractors here and there. Okay. And so that's when I was introduced to disruptive advertising. So I I met the owner of disruptive advertising through some networking groups that we both did. And we, we got to talking and initially it sounded like maybe a good partnership opportunity where we could refer clients back and forth. And the more we the more we talked about it, disruptive advertising was you know about forty employees at the time, and the more we talked about it, the more it made sense for both of us to just merge our companies together. I could bring in you know all of my expertise, my employees my my clientele and uh, and bring that in with what disruptive was doing and and in turn, I would get access to you know a proven sales team and a proven uh you know uh, process that was Again, what I, exactly what I was looking for, bigger than me right, and, right, right. Um, you know, and so disruptive advertising was traditionally a paid search management company, a PPC company. okay um, and so it just made a lot of sense. There's so much crossover. we thought, you know what all of our clients should be doing both of these things. It, and so uh, and so my wife and I talked it over many, many, many long, long conversations and finally decided to to merge. and so, so what I'm up to now is, so now I'm managing the, the testing division of disruptive advertising. And so we are still those two uh, core skill sets. So we are paid uh, advertising, whether it's Google AdWords or Facebook ads
1: right. and, okay.
2: and website testing. And so um, and so I've been um, really just kind of diving into that and building out an organization and, and finally starting to see that goal of, of uh, building something that's a little a bigger than just me
0: so it sounds pretty exciting <laughs> it seems like you've got definitely have a, a a startup vibe going on over there
2: it is it is a startup vibe even though we are just over 60 employees now right um it's absolutely still a very exciting um growing young business
0: right it's a little scary and thoroughly exciting <laughs> exactly <laughs> I don't know I, I, Well before we Because I, I have a bunch of things that I want to talk to you about Because I'm watching a couple of shows Silicon Valley is one uh, Which I really love uh-huh. And uh, and then there's this other TV show ca- uh, Called uh, Halt and Catch Fire I don't know if you've ever heard of that or not I Haven't seen it um, It's uh, It's an AMC show but it's also on Netflix So Halt and Catch Fire Is it's sort of like a fictionalized version of sort of like some things that happened in the beginning before there were, weren't were even computers or an Internet.
2: <laughs> there was a time like that?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and And I kind of lived through it, so it's interesting to me, you know, so... Uh, right. <laughs> right, right. Whereas Silicon Valley is kind of like, wow, I, I, I don't really, I'm kind of understanding it now, but it's, it's a little, you know, it didn't happen when I was, you know, running around. I never did that, you know, where I was around right. for the, the, there were no computers and there was no internet. I was there <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So let's go back in time and, uh, and talk about some of your Vroomy very stories as we do on Vroom Vroom Veer. Um, so what were you like, where did you grow up? What was your childhood like?
2: So I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, um, in a place called Gilbert. Uh, when I first moved to Gilbert, actually, it was just a little small farming town. And a couple years after we moved there, it exploded and became the number one fastest growing city in the country for like three years in a row. Wow. Um, just, you know, middle of the desert, exactly what you'd imagine when you picture Arizona. Um, and I was a big time troublemaker. Um, <laughs> in fact, I uh, <laughs> right. the story that everybody tells that, that my, my parents love to tell when we, whatever, go out to dinner or get, or get together um, is a time that I was uh, brought home by the police um, and <laughs> what we had been doing was we found a way to climb on top of our old elementary school and there was a like an air conditioning duct that you could, that we we somehow opened up. I can't remember if we busted it open or something. Yeah. We were able to climb in through the air conditioning duct and get into the elementary school. And so, you know, here we are just doing stupid stuff and just, you know, I think I super glued some teachers' stuff to their desks, <laughs> you know, <stupid laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> and so, that's, uh, that's the best. so I got brought home by the police. And so, you know, it was uh, I I wasn't, um, uh, you know, I, I, I guess there's worse things I could have been doing, uh, but those are the kinds of st- things I did when I when I was young.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good. It sounds like, uh, like, let's see, equal parts dangerous, scary, and and awesome, because like,
2: yes, exactly.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you you think about it now, I, I mean, you were somewhere between K through fifth grade. Who knows, right? Uh, and. Um, Uh, let's see, you could have definitely been hurt. Who knows what's going on in those traps, but on the other side of that, yay. (laughs) I mean, we (laughs) all do stupid crap when we're young. Right. So that's when you're supposed to do it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's great. I I definitely lived that up to its fullest.
0: So now when you were a kid, did, uh, the, I've been, I've been talking to, you know, sort of like a mix of Gen Xers and millennials. And it seems like you're kind of like more closer to a millennial. Um, Most Gen Xers, when they were like little kids, like uh, elementary school age, you know, we would, our parents would just like kick us out of the house. And, you know, we would, we would have like all day unscheduled, especially in the summer. Right. Just like, get out (laughs) of here. Maybe check in at lunch. Right. But it was different (laughs) for you. Right. That's, that's not how you grew up. Probably. I don't know.
2: Well, first, you you can't just kick kids out in Arizona because it's 130 degrees outside and
0: right. kids
2: die every year from staying outside too long. Right. Um, That's true. But aside from that, yeah. So, I mean, I grew up when I was a kid. I mean, that was right when, like, the original Nintendo came out. And I was oh, a right. major video game addict as a kid.
1: Okay, um, great. You
2: know, I played every, probably every video game that there was on on that original Nintendo, and I mean, I, I owned every single video gaming system that came out between then and now.
0: Which, which, um, which now, which Nintendo was out? Was that the uh, the NES? Is that the one? Or
2: yes, the NES. Yeah, with like and the original what? Mario Brothers.
0: Okay, so was that? No, Sega. Sega had the Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog. The Sega
2: Genesis was. The, yeah, the Sega Genesis was the first non-Nintendo okay. system I had.
0: Okay. I think I might have had one of those. I don't remember which one, but anyway,
2: yeah, I, those are I've cool. I actually went back and I, I went back and bought all of those again because I just, I mean, you know, nostalgia. And so sure. I've got all of those old systems now I, again, and I, I break them out occasionally when I just want to geek out.
0: <laughs> There's a way that I think you can you can download uh, these emulator things and play those old games too. On a, on oh
2: yeah, you can play them all on your computer now, but it, right. it just doesn't. It's not have, as
0: fun though, right?
2: <laughs> it's not as uncomfortable as that old square Nintendo controller. I mean, right? That was definitely not built with a, with a human hand in mind, but uh, <laughs> so it, there's yeah. something fun about that.
0: Yeah. So did you ever did you did you finish Super Mario Brothers?
2: Oh, yeah, many times,
0: many times. <laughs> <laughs> they just did that on uh, on that Halt and Cut, Catch Fire show, so that's why I brought that up. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that was, that was not part of my experience. I went through, so when I was a kid, we first went, we went through this thing where we had Pong. That was this thing that you plugged into a, an ordinary everyday TV, and it was barely <laughs> sure. a video game. Yeah, it was just sure. like, you, have you ever seen Pong? Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And then we had these, like, little handheld electronic games, but all they were is, like, blinking LED lights, you know, (laughs) and and you had to use your imagination to figure out what was actually going on. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the Atari 2600 and... And there were some like uh and a Television, and and they were still really rudimentary games. But I was there with you, dude. I was uh, I was playing those games too. Uh, I had my buddy had a Commodore sixty four. That's when computer games started getting really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was this one <laughs> game called uh, Race Car Destruction Set, uh, and it was basically just you're playing like a very low quality graphic race car game. But what mm-hmm. what made us laugh until like we were silly schoolgirls was you could you could set the gravity to like moon level, right? So you were your ah. car your car was like flying off. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so you grow up in Arizona. You uh, you're you're delinquent and vent into vandalism. Yay, uh, that's great. <laughs> so what were you like when you get to high school? Were you like a jock? Were you like a, a brainy, like a geek, nerd? What sort of kid were you, or did you break you know, all the rules? I,
2: I was, I was, I was still a major troublemaker. My my freshman and sophomore years of high school, I was still a big time troublemaker, um, and I, I wasn't jockeying. I'm I'm a smaller build kind of guy, and so I was never very good at sports, um, and and so. I, I was kind of, I, but I wasn't a nerd either. I wasn't like totally geeky. I was like this guy that was just really trying to fit in. Um, okay. And and I really didn't know who I was in high school, to be honest. And until Probably it was halfway through my junior year of high school, uh, we moved. I stayed at the same high school, uh, but we moved to a new neighborhood. And there was just a great, great group of guys there that just took me in. They were Definitely a lot cooler than I was. They were, okay. uh, they all had a lot more friends than I did, and they just kind of took me in because hey, I was their neighbor, and you know, and we're, and we're friends now. And so, um, yeah, that's great. They kind of took me in and and adopted me into the fold, which was a life changing experience for me in and of itself. Um, and I'm actually getting ready in two weeks to travel back to Arizona to go to one of those friends of mine's wedding. Oh
1: wow. Um,
2: Cool. And so we've, we've absolutely stayed in touch all this time. Um, but that was, that was a really cool experience for me. Um, cause yeah, like I said, prior to that, I was still just trying to figure out who I was trying to figure out where I fit in, like, who am I? Right. Uh, and so that, that really, really helped.
0: You kind of look like you, you did like plays or, or choir or something. I, I wouldn't, if, if you would have told <laughs> I, me you did like drama, I wouldn't have been surprised.
2: So I took, I I did probably everything there was. I I did, I took a drama class. I was in the band. I uh, I sang in the choir. I I joined the chess club actually for like a year.
0: Okay. So you Um, were just exploring there, right?
2: Yeah. Like, yeah, I tried a little bit of everything and didn't stick with anything. Gotcha. Um, And, you know, to the point where when I graduated from high school, frankly, like, you know, I hadn't done anything for long enough to have any real skill sets. And so, you know, I got to the end of high school and thought to myself, well, what the heck am I going to do? Like I, uh, you know, I don't, I, I didn't have any self-confidence at all. And I thought, well, I haven't stuck with anything long enough to be good at it. I don't even know if I can stick with anything long enough to be good at it. Interesting. Like it might just be right. beyond me. Okay. So there's a lot of self-doubt, a lot of, you know, insecurities. Um, sure. you know, as, as a, as a teenager growing up that, uh, that that I definitely had to overcome.
0: Right. So, did you end up going to college?
2: So I went to college. This is another. Here we go. Another story of me not sticking with it.
0: Um, and, I, and you I were probably to, still a troublemaker. <laughs>
2: I was. I was much less a troublemaker. Okay. Um, I I uh, so before I went to college, I. Um, actually went and did some service for my church for a couple of years, okay. um, which definitely helped me to grow up a little bit and mature. And so by the time oh, I good. went to college, um, I was I was ready to dive in and just um, really commit to something. And but what, what ended up happening? So I, I went into school. I I enrolled for some business school, and you know, because, uh, for some business management degree, which is code for like, I don't have any clue what I want to do.
1: Right.
0: Let's, let's just pick the most generic thing. So I don't have to choose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then maybe someone will hire me after that. Cause you yeah. know, why? Yeah. You could do so, a lot um, worse. So, so, yeah. Right. So yeah. So I, I went to started college and while I'm going to college, I'm looking for a job. Um, and I started out doing some telemarketing job for a cousin of mine,
1: okay. um,
2: which I never actually got paid for. I worked for them for about two months and and literally didn't make a dime.
1: Wow! <laughs>
2: and um, and so, <laughs> like it was kind of a shady company, and they were sort of going out of business and sort of not. It was it was a weird situation. Uh, so I'm looking for a real job. Right. And one of my like third cousins, I went to some family family reunion and bumped into a third cousin of mine who I literally have never seen again to this day. But that third cousin of mine told me about this great opportunity selling digital marketing like at this, at this new hot upcoming startup. And I was like, cool, you know, that sounds like a job. And so she got me in the door or got me an interview and I, and so I went and started selling, um, search engine optimization okay. for our you know, a company that, that did search engine optimization. And that's when I really found my passion. That's when I really found something that I love. And as I was selling it, I was like, this is so fascinating. Like, I can't believe that people can do stuff online, that people can do marketing online that influences how they rank on the Google search results.
0: You know, right, I'm, a, right.
2: I'm a geeky kid, you know, I grow up in the in the digital age. And I use Google every single day, probably a thousand times a day. I had no idea that people could do that.
1: Right. And right.
2: so, that just totally sparked my interest. And so, I applied for the first internal job I could to do search engine optimization, and got it. And just learned on the job.
0: Wow. Yeah. There's a whole mountain of crap to learn in SEO. Oh my gosh.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's like. <laughs> It's like ten mountains of crap now. Back then, it was. Oh yeah, it is. It was actually you—you you could actually uh, do something with it back then.
0: <laughs> y- yeah, I think the uh, well, the thing is, is I-, I chased that rabbit for a while. Um, uh, trip blogging and uh, and so and it was all a lot of it was you know obviously you want to write well you know put the humans first. But then, you know, you also have to feed the beast of Google, too, right? So you want to do yeah. all your your analytics and get your your page criteria, on-page, off-page, all that crap. And yeah. then, and so I spent, I don't even know how many years, grinding away at all these pages, right? And then Google shifts and says they're going to change their, their rules. And, oh, now we've, th- I was getting advice, and they're like, you have to do, all your pages over again. I'm like, no, I don't, because I quit. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the story of me doing that. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Right? Every every there. time the yep, uh, I, the algorithm changed, you had to go in and fix all your pages.
2: Yep, and especially if you were really aggressive in SEO, yeah. uh, like, you know, a lot of us who, who were brought up in agencies were, where you're very aggressive about exploiting any loophole in the algorithm you can. The right. more aggressive you were, the more crap you had to deal with after the algorithm changed. Right. And so, um, which uh, the, the funny thing is that's not actually why I ended up shifting away from SEO. Um, but now that I am away from SEO, I look at these algorithm changes and I'm like, holy cow, I'm so glad that I'm not doing that anymore.
0: <laughs> right. Right. No, I know. Yeah, I, I've got a new take on that is, is basically my new rule now is just screw Google. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to do what I want to do and then I use this little like uh, SEO plugin in my WordPress page And I Mm. usually try to get it to, to say at least, you know, good, but (laughs) if it doesn't and I'm done, I don't care.
2: (laughs) I like that. I like that.
0: It's, that's thus screw Google, you know? Yeah. They actually emailed me once about one of my old web pages and they said, uh, they said, "I, I read your front page and I don't know what it means. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's that, that page isn't for you right, <laughs> right. It, and th- and they didn't they didn't like that answer, you know, so
2: <laughs> yes, everyone must worship Google right that is, that's their rule,
0: right, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you get your first well let's let's back up because we hadn't we haven't gotten out of college yet, so did you finish college
2: so I didn't I, I
0: oh okay, I
2: dropped out. I dropped out about halfway through my, I'm not sure if it was my sophomore or my junior year. Uh, My wife is really upset with me because, you know, she comes from a very educated family. You know, her father um, was a double PhD and actually taught at a university. And so he was obviously very in the education world. Her mom had an MBA and she graduated from college. And so that was something that was really important to her. Um, but what I found as I, as I got deeper into this SEO world and, you know, here in Utah, where I'm from now, um, it's, it was a hotbed for digital marketing. Um, Omniture started here, which was later acquired by Adobe. Um, and so Omniture starting here, you know, Omniture is an analytics company. Okay. And, uh, so there was a, there were a lot of digital marketers here, a lot of, Analytics guys and a lot of SEO guys. And so there was at at any given time, there's probably 10 to 15 large and growing SEO agencies in the Utah Valley back when I first got started. And so there was lots of opportunity, lots of opportunities to learn and opportunities to advance career wise. Sure. Um, And so, you know, by whatever it was, halfway through my sophomore year, by that point, I was already make, making more than the average college graduate does, and so I thought, "Well, what the hell do I need a college degree for?" <laughs> like, I mean, if I graduate right. now, like I'm not going to make any more, and it's just going to suck away more of my time that I could be spending,
0: and you know, you, getting you better pay, at what I do. And you have to pay money.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah and you right. Waste
0: all that time.
2: Yes. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so that's I, I dropped out at that point to really just focus on my career. And honestly, I have never looked back. I, if I ever do go back to school, I will. I'm going to change my degree to psychology because I'm hey. fascinated by psychology. Yeah. Um, but I would just go back to um, to learn some uh, to learn something new because the, the frustrating thing for me also was I was taking marketing classes, and all of the marketing classes were so outdated by the right. time. Right. You would take them, and it was like this is such a waste of time. And I'd be disagreeing with my teachers left and right, and they didn't like me. And so, um,
1: no, so, I, I get you. Yeah.
2: yeah so, so I, I dropped out at that point and just and just went full throttle into my career.
0: Nothing wrong with that. So now, when when at this point, were you were you doing your own thing with your uh, with your business, or were you working a job?
2: No, so I was working at a full-time job at this point okay. and um, doing search engine optimization. Okay. You know, I was in-house for a couple of different companies. Right. And what led me to starting my company was, it was totally an accident, and I actually just went out to lunch with my old boss uh, a month or two ago to thank him for what he did for me. But um, so, So I'm doing search engine optimization, and we're killing it you know, we like tripled our organic traffic over the course of like nine months.
1: Wow. And so
2: we were doing amazing things. You know, it was, it was revolutionary in terms of getting traffic to the site. Sure. And so
0: you start ranking like a lot of pages on the front page and everybody thinks you're uh, a God, right?
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and so I go into like my annual performance review with the executive team And I'm just like ready to hear that, you know, they're going to double my salary and I'm going to hire a whole team around me. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be huge. And so we sit down, I'm going through, I'm showing all these graphs, you know, showing all these amazing, huge numbers. And, um, and I get to the end of my presentation and I sit down and my boss, who is, I think the CTO and, and the CEO, they kind of sit there for a minute and scratch their chins and, and then finally, the CEO says, okay, well, all that sounds really great. Well, so what? Like, what, what does that actually mean for our business? Wow. And I had no idea. I had been so focused on traffic, on rankings, that I had no idea what happened after that. And I didn't even care what happened after that. I was like, oh, I'm just sending a ton of traffic. This has got to mean a, a lot of business for the company. Ah... Uh... And so right. And so he asked me that. I say I don't know. And so we started diving into the numbers. And the more I dove into the numbers, the more I started to feel awful inside. Because most of that traffic that I was generating, nothing was happening with it. You know, they were coming to the site. They were either bouncing or they were clicking through to a couple of pages, but never converting, never buying anything, never filling out a lead form on our site. Nothing happened. Right. And so, you know, I had all these, you know, 300% increases and all these big numbers, but none of that translated into business. And so I felt really frustrated Yeah. and I start asking around the company to figure out, well, what happened here? Why, you know, why didn't our traffic convert? I'm asking the designers and the designers are like, oh, there's nothing wrong with the design and I ask the developers and they tell me, oh, there's sites not broken. And, but no one could answer my question. Like, why isn't this traffic converting? Yeah. And so, you know, I went back to my trusty friend Google and <laughs> did a couple of searches yeah, and discovered this thing called conversion rate optimization where you could take a, a version of your page and create a copy of it and change something and see if it increases conversion rates. And I thought, okay, well, this is my last ditch effort to try to prove that this traffic is valuable for the company. yeah, And so... I went in and I, I used a free tool to run an A-B test. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, so I set up an A-B test. I ran it and conversion rates went up by like 10%. And I thought, wow. Well, that's that was something.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's, that's something. And, and the other thing too that was mind-blowing was, you know, I set this test up and I, <laughs> I tested this awful Awful template design against one of our lead generation pages on our site that one of our you know know, very polished designers had put together, and and it did better. You know this thing that that I thought looked awful, and and our designer when he saw it said, "There's no way we're putting out on the website because it looks so bad." Right. And but it but it it performed better than this other page that looked you know way better. Interesting. And so that's it. Real that really just like fascinated me and it just grabbed me so profoundly to think that well you know to just ask the question why did it do better? Yeah. What is it about this other design that I used? What is it? Like why would that convert better? Um so anyway, so that's when I shifted into conversion rate optimization.
1: Right. Okay.
2: And so I spent a couple of years doing that in house. So I got, you know, I got another job and and, you know, really built out this skill set and then ended up managing a team that did this, built up a ton of expertise around it.
0: So now your new metric, and instead of just basic raw uh, Google rank, page rank, right. now, now you're looking yep. at conversion rate, basically. Yes. How many people yes. are clicking and putting in their name and email address, basically?
2: Yes. Or if it's a... Uh, or if it's buying something. Company, yeah, right. Exactly. It's e-commerce, how many people are buying? Right. Um, some sort
0: of some sort of business event happened because that person showed up.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's I mean, a conversion. I, I right. And I, I could have been tying those metrics in when I was doing SEO. Right. I was just an idiot and I didn't do that.
0: No, no, no. Um, I, I think we all got lost on that. I think I think you're yeah. right. When because the the SEO myth, uh, going back to the e myth, was that you know, just just if you score, right, if you win, if you rank for a good keyword, right, uh, on the top 10, you don't have to be number one. If you're a top 10, you're going to get lots of traffic. And that might be true. Yep. But who cares? <laughs> yep,
1: exactly.
0: exactly. It, it's not, you You haven't won yet, Jedi. <laughs> exactly. Yep,
1: exactly.
0: Right, right. I get it. Okay.
2: So- Yeah. And so, so here, so now I'm, now I'm focused on, you know, some of these other metrics and I'll just say one other thing about SEO before we leave that behind. But the thing, one of the things that really frustrated me about SEO um, and this wasn't true when I very first started SEO, but the longer I did it and the more sophisticated Google's algorithms became the longer it took for your efforts to pay off.
1: Right. Right. Right.
2: To the point where, you know, it, I I remember telling clients like, Hey, pay us $5,000 a month. And you'll probably see results in like six to eight months, you know? And, and that to me was so hard to do because I mean, in that first three to six months, which is a critical time when you have a new client and you're trying to really uh, gain their trust and win them over and nothing happens. It's so frustrating for everybody. Right, uh, And then you can get to that six to eight month period and still nothing might, you know, you, right. you might not right. have anything right. happen. Yes. And so um, the thing that I loved about conversion rate optimization is it was instant. I mean, not not like immediate, but you can set up a test today right. and check back in next week and see the results.
1: Right.
0: Right.
2: And I was
1: like, wow. It's a is- way
0: better metric. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it
0: is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you don't have that, that long drag of, uh, this is working, we promise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right.
2: Yeah, and the, and the funny thing was, so I worked at companies that had never done conversion rate optimization. And then I went in and I managed a team that had been doing conversion rate optimization for years and was able to implement a process that generated huge increases in conversion rates. And it was, it was just by doing what I did after my very first test, and that's asking the simple question, why did this influence behavior? Right. Um, right, You know, it seems like a logical thing to do when you're running tests, but a lot of companies don't do it that do run tests. You know, they'll run a test, say, awesome, we found an increase in conversion rate, push it live on the site, and find something else cool to do. Instead of saying, wait, what did we learn about people here? What did we learn about the decision-making process? Right. What did we learn about what's important? What psychological button did and this so template
0: like, hit? Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Right. And why, you
2: know, like why, why, right. why did this, why did this work so well? And so um, by doing that, we were able to see tremendous results. And so I was, you know, I was working in house for a company, uh, you know, so I'm managing a team and we start running out of bandwidth. And so rather than hiring someone, I thought, Hey, maybe let's hire on an agency to help us scale. And as I started, um, as I started, you know, getting pitches from these agencies and scoping them out, I just wasn't really impressed by, by what I saw out there. I mean, I saw two things. I would, I would either see a lot of expertise that costed way more money than I could possibly afford. Right. Or I would see companies that had no expertise And, you know, I don't want to bring that on either. And so um, there's there's just kind of this gap in the market of, you know, a reasonably priced agency, a reasonably priced solution that had a good skill set and a good methodology that could actually help. Um, And so that's when I thought, hey, I'm going to start my business. You know, I want to I'm going to go out and see if I can do this on my own and uh, and kind of took the leap from there.
0: Wow. Okay. So how long did it how long were you in business for yourself?
2: Um so it was about I think it was close to 2 years before uh before I decided to merge my company with Disruptive Advertising.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. So so in those days when you were when you were running it, was it just you or did you you said you had a small team, but when you started did, were was it just you and like
2: Oh yeah. When I started, it was just me. Wow. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, and, and when you have one client, that's easy, but the minute you get, you know, five or six or 10 clients, you start freaking out a little bit, yeah. and, you know, and when, when you've never run a business before and you're not prepared for that kind of growth, you're not prepared for that, that kind of demand on your time. Um, you know, I, I was totally un, underprepared. And so I got myself into some really crappy situations where, you know, I'm working whatever, 80, 90, 100 hour weeks yeah. um, to keep up with the demand. And, and then you're like, OK, well, crap, I got to hire somebody. And so then you bring somebody on. And then on top of those, you know, 80 hour weeks, you're also training someone um, because they can't help you for, you know, a couple months. Right. And so, you know, without that foresight, without that business acumen to say, okay, why don't I prepare <laughs> ahead yeah. of time for right. growth? <laughs> um, yeah, that was, uh, if I could go back, I would have definitely told myself um, to, to be a little bit more prepared.
0: Yeah, well, you don't, you know, that, it's one of those situations where you didn't know what you didn't know.
2: Right. Exactly. So it, it's. It was a great learning opportunity for me.
0: Right. And you survived, so it's all good.
2: <laughs> and there was a lot of—I mean, anybody who's ever run a business um, knows. I mean, there there's a lot of really challenging times. You know, when your first client cancels. You know, when you're an agency, um, that's a huge blow to your ego. Yeah,
0: you think and it's the end of the not, world. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, and and it's and so and I took it really personally. Um, you know, because it was my client and I sold them and I executed for them. And so when they canceled, I took it super personally, um, and thought that that meant that I was a failure, you know, that I had failed.
0: Have you ever, have you ever been dumped by a girlfriend?
2: Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) That it kind of feels like that, right?
2: It does. And it, <laughs> it, it it almost feels like actually what I would probably relate it to. It feels like you had a child and that child disowned you as a parent.
0: <laughs> Whoa, you know? that's even like, that's even worse than getting dumped it, by a girlfriend.
2: It, it's a little oh. bit worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like a judgment it, thing. It you know? So- right.
2: Yeah, and so and so I had to get a lot of support, and I had to get a lot of mentoring from others who have been in this situation to pull myself out of that and to get to a good, healthy, emotional, um, place where I could say, okay, that, that doesn't mean anything about me
1: personally. Right, right, it right. doesn't
2: change my value as a person. It doesn't mean that I'm a failure as a business owner. It doesn't mm. mean that, I, I mean, doesn't mean any of those things. It is an opportunity to learn, you know, right. and so, to kind of disconnect and not take it personally, but still, you know, have the appropriate, um, the appropriate frustration around it, so that I spend some time figuring out what went wrong and correcting those things. But I mean, that was a really hard situation for me. That was that was very emotionally challenging, and it was a time where you know, like my wife couldn't help me through that. Um,
0: right, because she didn't and, really get it.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. And she's just like, oh, it's okay, you know, like. I still Fine. love you. Another point. yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I like, well, that's great, but this freaking sucks, like you know. So yeah,
0: yeah. no, I, we've all all dudes have been there, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. In, in one in one form or another, right? That's it. It's yeah. sort of like uh, yeah, it makes you question everything, and you just yeah, it's that's toughy. I remember, uh, and I've told this story before, so I'll shorten it. But um, there was this girl I was dating when I was in the Air Force, right? It's, this is a story about getting dumped. So it's similar. <laughs> but I had already wanted to break up with her, right? Because I had gotten uh, transfer orders to move from Japan to Hawaii. And I was going to be leaving in about six months, right? And I had, I had been dating her for maybe like three, four months, right? And I didn't want to get married because I was only like 20 years old. So I I knew a breakup was, you know, coming soon. Inevitable. Right. Inevitable. Correct. So I kind of started like thinking, okay, uh, I got to start, you know, easing her off, you know, and (laughs) like leaning towards, hey, guess what? I'm going to Hawaii. Oh, by the way, you're not coming with. (laughs) We're not getting married, right? And before I even get to step one, she breaks up with me.
2: Oh
0: wow! Right? Oh <laughs> man, I cried like a baby, and then I, uh, yeah, what? I, I thought I met. Yeah, what? Well, and then, uh, then she's gone, right? And I'm still, you know, like wallowing in sorrow, and uh, and I go and I tell my buddy, and he and and he's like, "Dude, you were planning to break up," uh, <laughs> and, and I. And I I took a couple of breaths, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So then I was okay. But, you know, in the moment, you know, getting dumped always feels like shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I bet –
1: Oh, yeah, and it's really
2: hard to not take it personal. Right,
0: right, right. right. Well, I bet you've kind of, like, moved on from there, though. The first one's always the hardest.
2: (laughs) Well, it, it is if you learn from it. If, if, you, if you are able to uh, face it head on and learn from it and move forward, then it is the hardest. Otherwise, it gets harder and harder every time because mm. you keep reinforcing those false ideas that you have in your head. Right. If you think that it means something about you personally and that you're not good enough and that you're a failure, yeah. then every time... I mean, you get dumped you just keep heaping it on top of that giant pile of crap thing see see it happen again see i'm not good enough and so yeah i mean once <laughs> you once you're able to face it and challenge that thought and right. move past it uh, it gets a lot easier
0: yes it's it's amazing to me some, sometimes that you know i me only me can like like function as a human sometimes <laughs> Without being a complete and total douche. Right. But somehow we do, I, you know, it's sort of like we dudes only have like A and B, you know, it's either like, I'm, I'm the man <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or I'm a total loser. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. hard to live in, the in the middle there.
0: It is right. It's like either you're the man or you're a piece of shit. Anyway, yep. why, yep. you know, and I have a psychology degree. See, I should go back and study more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, one thing I've learned is that just having a lot of expertise in a subject doesn't always mean that, uh, that you apply it in the in the best ways.
0: That's true. And, that's true.
2: And that's uh, something that was evidence to me, at least in business sense of, uh, <laughs> where, you know, I'm, I'm a conversion rate optimization guy. Right. And I'm not even doing it for my own pages on my own site. And people come to my site and they're like, how are you a conversion rate optimization expert when your site sucks? It's like, <laughs> oh, man.
0: Uh yeah. No, that's, 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 that's like. I better drink my own Kool-Aid. Right. We're, we're always the worst at taking our own advice. Yes. That's <laughs> yeah. true. That's a, I think that might be a universal human defect, dude. So we all do that. It's all good.. Yeah. Uh, so um, now you are at disruptiveadvertising.com. You are now you're like the VP, right? VP of testing and site optimization of That's disruptive right. advertising. So talk a little bit about um, what your, your, what your day-to day job is now.
2: Well, so this, is, this has been what's, what's been so fun. And challenging for me okay. is, you know, I mentioned at the very beginning. We'll loop back to that of this this idea of building something that's bigger than just me. Sure. And how challenging that was for me. And so when I merged with disruptive advertising, um, you know, I immediately was able to tap into a lot of processes and personnel and and um, just the organization in general. that I didn't have before. And that, frankly, I was afraid of the process of building all of that before. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of other agency owners that couldn't get past that point. At least they couldn't get past the point of having someone else sell your business for you. Because I mean, as an entrepreneur, just naturally, you're going to be the expert at selling your business because it's your business. I mean, you, I mean, (laughs) And so, um, and there's a lot of credibility that comes with talking to the owner of the business. Um, and so I talked to a lot of other agency owners that, you know, they, they had fulfillment teams in place, but they were still the sales guy. Like they couldn't, they,
0: they couldn't let they go couldn't do
2: it. And so, yeah. well, they couldn't let go and they couldn't train someone else to do it as well as they could. Mm. And so, um, so I was very fortunate to immediately have a sales team that was very competent and had. The benefit of several years of training to sell—not conversion rate optimization, but to sell a digital marketing service—and I found that the the skill skill set transferred very easily, um, especially right. because the products that you know the product that I brought on was a complement to the product we were already selling them at Disruptive, and so um, and so what what I was immediately able to tap into was you know this this organization we were able to hire. Um, you know, people and train them up as conversion rate optimization experts. And, you know, and so my job now is is split between two things. Number one, it is building and training a killer organization that is able to use my process that I, you know, that I've refined over the last several years to really drive awesome results for our clients. Right. Um, And the other part of my job is really, evangelizing this because most businesses are not doing testing on their website. I mean, most businesses, when they think about website design, it's like, Oh, I've got a designer. I've got a design agency. I'm just going to put something up that looks cool. Um, and so I spend a lot of time speaking at conferences and, um, you know, and doing podcasts and, you know, all kinds of things to really just spread the word and to let people know, Hey, this is something that can really benefit your business. So,
1: right? Um, oh yeah.
2: I'm kind of split between those two things and it's been an awesome learning experience for me um, because you know, where, where previously I was doing everything. Now I'm really able to focus on the areas that I'm awesome at and you know, and I don't have to worry about accounting and I don't have to to worry about um, (laughs) any of those other things that, that when you're a business owner, you know, it's like just take up, they just eat up your time and they, Take up a lot of uh, mind space that could be spent, you know, being more awesome at what you do.
0: Right. It lets you focus on your strengths.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. No. It, and that, you know, I heard uh, on, on one of the g- g- um podcasts about business that, like, one of these guys said, like, every time you add another 30 employees, it's like it's a new business.
2: Oh, it totally.
0: It's like everything that you knew from 0 to 30 is one is one thing. And then it, once you hit 31 to 60, it's another thing. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. like you are not just growing. You're you're becoming a new thing. It's like uh, you used to be a, a a caterpillar, now you're a butterfly. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> well, like and it's, the caterpillar's dead, you know.
2: And it, and it's there's like there's a compounding effect well, like, the bigger it gets, and, you know, we, we talk about this a lot, um, you know, over here on the leadership team. Like, you know, the bigger you get, the harder it is to make any changes in the company. Right. Um, the, I mean, because it's just it's harder to steer a bigger ship. And so, um, yeah, it absolutely, it, and the company kind of starts to take on a life of its own. Um, and so it's like, well, I just I hope we pointed it in the right direction. <laughs> right. Um, and and what you, we're moving in this direction.
0: <laughs> right. And what you said was, you know, as a founder, you came and said, I want to make a thing that's bigger than me. Right. So yep. I get it because you're so invested. It, it becomes like a part of you like a piece of your body <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> and, and it's like oh uh, you know it's anything that happens to it it's like it it pains you but at a certain point you know you know that you know it, it will continue to be hopefully you know even after you are gone i mean not yeah. dead but you know move on to a new right. thing yeah <laughs> well eventually we're all going to be dead but that's not where i was going
2: <laughs> that's down that's down the road a little ways. Yeah. Right,
0: right. You've got you've got plenty of time. Let's hope. So, okay. Yeah. This has been a blast, Chris Daly. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed our, our conversation. And, I have
2: uh, absolutely enjoyed this, Jeff. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah.
0: So let's say your, your name again and uh where can people best reach out and talk to Chris Daly?
2: Yeah, so I am, um, you won't actually find me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm, I am not on Facebook or Instagram. Okay, um, yeah. So people can look me up on Twitter, just at Chris Daly. My last name is spelled D-A-Y-L-E-Y. Right. Um, look me up on LinkedIn. Um, or if, if people are interested in, in, uh, in getting involved with testing on their website, we actually have a free um, starter guide for people who, uh, that they can just download and, and get, you know, some tools to use, some strategies that work really well. Um, so if people want to go to disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide.
0: Guide, uh, okay. Can,
2: they can download the guide there and uh, and get some great information.
0: Hey, thank you so much. This has been a blast.
2: I agree. Thank you, Jeff.
0: You have a good one. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.